Hey, everybody, welcome back to Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Bikes and Big Ideas is presented by CBG Trails. The CBG Trails app is the only complete trail map app of Crested Butte and the Gunnison Valley, Colorado. So download the app today and start exploring. Today, we're talking about racing. The World Cup downhill season starts in just a couple of weeks. So I decided to check in with a couple of our blister bike folks to discuss. So yesterday I talked to Noah Bodman, David Golay, and blister newbie Ben Sims to get their thoughts on and predictions for the upcoming season, and we somehow ended up getting a wager going that could end up with Ben, David, and Noah having to do some fast pedaling uphill. We also discussed the future prospects and popularity of World Cup downhill racing versus the popularity and trajectory of Enduro World Series racing. And so with that, let's get to this Put Your Money Where Your Mouth Is episode of Bikes and Big Ideas. Well, gentlemen, it's nice to be talking with all of you. And we even have joining us for the first time newbie to Bikes and Big Ideas, Ben Sims. How are you today? Are you up for this? Are you good? I'm good. My wife reminded me I have a face for podcasts when I came down here to record. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. We should bring her on the podcast. Well, the goal here is to talk a little bit about racing today in a couple of different forms. This is unbelievable to me that the World Cup downhill season is just around the corner already. Somehow it still seems like that should be several months off. Noah Bodman, why don't you talk a little bit about this interesting and different start to the World Cup DH season? Yeah, so they're kicking off in uh, Lausa. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Lausa, Portugal here. Uh, I believe qualifiers are on March 20th or maybe 21st. And then the racing's on the 22nd. So we're uh, 20, 19 days away, something like that. Um, And so, yeah, this is a new track for the World Cup circuit. They've raced, uh, I don't know if the track's going to be identical, but they have raced uh, in Laos, more or less on this track in the European Cup. So it's not a... It's not a brand new track. I think a lot of the people racing, especially the top guys, are going to be at least vaguely familiar with the area. And uh, But yeah, we're kicking it off. And I think uh, at least on the men's side, we have a pretty healthy field at the moment, at least. Um, not so much on the women's side. But uh, yeah, I think we're looking forward to a good kickoff to the season here. And Ben, I think you were telling me that Fox has used this course before as a testing ground. Is that right? That's true. Um, It's an off-season place where Fox goes and takes some of their riders to go through suspension. And it's not like, you know, 
Noah was saying, it's not like these guys aren't familiar. I mean, you can go and they announced it. Everybody went down there to test and you can go on YouTube and find 12 or 13 pros doing a preview video of the track. So um, I don't think it's going to be that new. I think the town's going to be new to the whole scene, but the course itself is going to be pretty well known among the, the pros. Yeah. My Instagram feed is uh, my Instagram feeds full of pros riding in Laosa right now. David Golay, you like this new destination stuff for the World Cup DH series? I think it's cool having kind of a mix of a handful of new destinations and then a bunch of established ones. Uh, it's nice seeing them race on something new and get some variety to spice things up, but it's also a lot of fun going back to the places where there's a pretty long track record of people racing there and having kind of an established uh, set of courses that the racers know really well and have a lot of history with. And so I'm into them doing a little bit of both. I think they got a pretty good balance going there. So let's talk about who is racing and um, let's kick off with the guys first and then we'll go to the women. So who we got? Yeah. So, well, I, I don't think we have too many people on the men that are, uh, that are going to come out of nowhere for us, but we do have a pretty strong field, uh, a lot of podium contenders. And as far as I know, most of the fast guys are in good health and don't really have any injuries that are, that are going to be holding them back. So I think we've got, uh, Amory Piron, Loic Bruni, uh, Troy Brosnan's always, uh, <laughs> a persistent second place. Um, uh, Vergier, Menar, Gwyn, I think, is probably going to be back on form. You know, he's had a couple of rough years with some injuries, but I, I would assume that he'll be back up to pace this year, which will be uh, exciting to see. Um, uh, Danny Hart's always in there. Uh, Ed Masters was starting to get up to pace, so I'm I'm sure I'm not thinking of like three or four other guys that are right up there. Uh, Lori Greenland was going fast last year, um, so yeah, I you know I think it's always really exciting when you've got ten different guys, all of which could legitimately. Uh, legitimately be on the top step on any given weekend. And so it's always really interesting at the first race to see who shows up uh, in the best shape, who's been training the hardest all winter, and so who can kick the season off with, uh, with a bang. David, if you had to nominate one rider today, who would you pick for the top spot? I think that... Loic Bruni and Emery Piron are still really the two guys who are going to be mixing it up most for the top on the overall, particularly. And um, it's going to kind of just be kind of come down to how consistent Piron can be, I think. It sort of felt like going into the end of last season, he had just a little bit of pace on Bruni when he could absolutely nail everything, but he's also just doing that by being kind of looser and a bit more on the ragged edge than Bruni is, who is always just 
so outrageously smooth and consistent and dialed looking. And if I had to put a bet for the overall, I'd probably go with Piron kind of putting it together and just being a little bit more consistent than he has been the last couple of years and making it happen. As far as the first race goes, um, I think the four people I would give the best shot to are Bruni Piron, Danny Hart, and uh, Lori Greenland been the four guys who seem like they have that top gear really flat out best chance at winning us in any individual race. Um, I don't know if I have any strong thoughts on like who this particular track suits best. So I'm just going to go out and throw Danny Hart out there as just putting down a banger and winning it. Keeping some momentum going from the end of the season. Yeah. Ben, who do you like? Looking at this kind of like three, four years ago where it was like Gwen, Minar, Danny Hart were just crushing everything. And now we've kind of got Amari Piron and Loic Bruni are kind of doing that same thing. Troy Brosnan, <laughs> like Noah said, perennial second. Um, I just, Danny Hart seems to really ride well the last few seasons early in the year. Um, this is a new destination. Looking at the track on the videos, it's a really fast up top and gets super ruddy and technical kind of in the middle to last third before it runs out. Um, so as the type of riding that kind of suits, I, mean, I, I think Danny Hart's really got a solid shot at, at putting the banger down. But Lord Bruni, he's been ice cold the last few seasons. And he's so young. I mean, he's still just 25, I think. Um, I don't know if guys like Aaron Gwynn and Greg Menard can keep putting down runs on tracks like this and competing with those guys. It's really hard. It'd be really nice to see Troy Brosnan win one, one of these one day. Hmm. Noah? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I think I agree that Menard has probably passed his prime. I think he's still got it in him to put down a winning run at some point, but uh, I think it'll have to be on a track that suits him and he'll have to maybe get a little bit lucky. Uh, certainly always a podium contender. Um, but, you know, I, don't, I think... So yeah, Menar's Menar's getting on in his years. He's uh, I think he's 38 now, so he's one of the oldest guys in the field, if not the oldest in any given race. But uh yeah, I I mean I can't disagree that that uh Loic Bruni's probably my pick for the overall. Uh he's just so consistent. Um yeah, so last year Omri had kind of a slow start he had a couple results early on that weren't weren't up to his standards at least um so i think that hurt him in the overall points chase last year this year i think it'll be interesting to see if he can come on a little bit stronger early on because you know as loose as he is on course he's pretty good at keeping it together uh the guy doesn't crash any more than anybody else does. Um, but really this year, I think it'll be interesting to see what Gwyn can do because clearly he has the pace. 
but he's just been struggling with injuries for the last couple of years. And, and I think even when he's been pseudo healthy, I think, you know, maybe his mind's just not quite in it. So I kind of expect him to show up guns blazing at this first race. Um, you know, guys like Danny Hart are always contenders, but they're pretty inconsistent. He totally has it in him to win this race, but, um, you know, who knows? Uh, so yeah, I, I'm gonna, just to make things interesting, I'm gonna act like Aaron Gwynn is going to, uh, take the podium in this first race. Uh, it's his triumphant return to being a fast guy. I like this. So, Noah, this answer either just stole my thunder or is a nice segue into what I wanted to ask next, which is we'll go around and I want to get each of your answers, but I was going to ask what would be more surprising to you if this was the season where Danny Hart really puts it together and ends up with the overall of of a first, second, or third finish in the overall, or would you be more surprised if Gwyn came back this year, first, second, third overall? David? I think I would be a little more surprised by Gwyn coming back and doing it. I'm not quite as high on his prospects as Noah is. Um, I guess, like Noah said, he's, I think, allegedly, theoretically healthy now, but... I don't know. It, it just feels like he's kind of lost a step somehow and maybe he'll come back and prove me wrong, but it doesn't feel like right now he's had the pace and quite just been on his A game in a way that Hart hasn't been fully consistent, but he clearly has the top gear to win any given race. And if he can just put it together a little bit better, he can he can be there and i don't really i'm not as confident that gwen has that right now noah i mean gwen's got that nice new house he's got to pay that thing off yeah uh <laughs> yeah he's got to go out there and make some paper um yeah i mean i don't see you know danny hart's not new on the scene i feel like his pace for the last few seasons has been uh a little uneven, but at least kind of internally consistent. Um, he has some good races. He has some not great races. He's always a contender. Uh, but, you know, he always does well in the overall rankings, but he's never really like a contender for the, for the top step. You know, you look at last year's points, and it was Piron and Bruni that were a good ways in front of everyone else. And and it was Brosnan in third and and Hart in fourth. And and Gwyn, I don't know, somewhere below the top ten that I pulled up. Um so yeah, I you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'm being a little optimistic on Gwyn, but but uh you know, the racing's more interesting when there's more guys that are actually contending. Um but yeah, ultimately I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's anybody in the current field that's really going to challenge Bruni and Piron for the overall. It's kind of a France v. France 
race when it all comes down to it. Ben, you get to break the tie here between David and Noah. Well, Aaron's Aaron Gwynn's 32 and he's coming off an injury. That's, that's tough. Um, what I do like is that he's not switching bikes this year. He was with intense last year. And so he's been with them through the off season now. Yeah, but he's got a new bike. He's on a new prototype. He's on a mullet bike custom thing, which I would like to think is going to help him. He's got some bike that's basically built to whatever his specifications may be. He's not riding a stock uh, carbon frame. It's it's an aluminum frame that's uh, that's noticeably different aside from just having a 29-inch front wheel and a 27.5 rear. It's it's a different layout, uh, still same basic VPP design, but definitely a different layout than uh, the production models. I just want to be clear. You said that Aaron Gwynn's riding up a twenty seven point five rear and a twenty nine front. Yeah, yeah, lots of guys are. Okay, he's going to win Portugal. Yeah, that's not cool. Aaron yeah. Gwynn's going <laughs> up a mullet bike. Yeah, because mullet bikes are obviously faster. Everybody knows this. Yeah, I mean. The proof is in the pudding, right? Because uh, Bruni was winning on a mullet bike last year, wasn't he? Yep, he was. I mean, I'm in it a little tongue-in-cheek, but yeah, I think that there's something to it. I mean, I know a lot of guys are, but uh, yeah, I'll break the tie with Aaron Gwynn. He's the home guy. I'll take him. Let's talk about the women's side. Noah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's less interesting because everyone is injured. Um, well, <laughs> two people are injured. Uh, so, you know, my prediction is, uh, yeah, Miriam, Nicole, pom, pom. She's, she's got this season in the bag as long as she can put together runs like she has in the past, because Tawny Seagrave is out with a, with a pretty bad and recent injury. Rachel Atherton is still recovering from her injury from last season, but, you know, it sounds like she is definitely not up to speed now. And I think it would be awfully optimistic to say that she's going to be at full race pace come uh, come two weeks from now. So, yeah, Maureen Cabaroo's, uh she's a challenger. She, she can certainly go fast, but I don't think she quite has the pace that Miriam Nicole has. So... You know, my view is Miriam Nicole wins every race. Maureen Cabaru comes in second in every race. And then there's uh, a few others that kind of challenge for the other three spots on the podium. Um, you know, Tracy Hannell will be in there most races. Uh, Veronica Vidman uh, was going fast last year. Monica Harasnik, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. Uh she was going fast off and on, but kind of slowed down. I think she had an injury. But anyways, there's uh, Valley Holes now in uh, in Elite. She's moved up from junior, so she'll probably be um, on the podium quite a bit. But I don't think she's challenging for the top spot or the top two spots for that matter. Hmm. Is Noah, is Noah giving Tracy enough credit? No, I don't think he quite is. Yeah. Um, I'm... I'm mostly with Noah in that I think that uh, Miriam Nicole is clearly the front runner this season with um, 
Tani out and uh, Rachel Atherton not at full strength to start the season. But I think that Marine Cabaru and Tracy Hannah are going to give Miriam a little bit more of a challenge than Noah's giving them credit for. Uh, I'm totally with him that Miriam is by far the most likely to win the overall, but I bet she doesn't win every race. She'll get taken down somewhere. Yeah, I mean, she's going to have at least like a mechanical and she's going to crash maybe once. But if she keeps it upright and keeps air in her tires, I think Miriam wins everything. I bet she loses one that she doesn't have something catastrophic happening still. Okay. And I'm also really excited to see how Valley Hall can do now that she's up with the elites, like Noah said. Um, She's been absolutely destroying the juniors for a few years now and her times mostly haven't quite been up there being competitive with the elites but also she's you know super young she's just moving up to elite now and has been only getting faster and so i think we don't quite know where her ceiling is yet and i'm super excited to see that development and see how well she is able to mix it up with the very top women if not this year, in the next couple. So to to sum that up, David, are you given a clear prediction for a top spot? Yeah, Miriam Nicole's going to win the overall, I think. I'm with Noah there. Ben, thoughts? Starting in July last year, the last five events of the season, Marine Cabaru went 2-2-1-1-1. Two, two, one, one, one. Miriam Nicole had one podium in that time frame. Obviously, she wasn't on her form. Uh, I think she was injured, right? She was only at two of those races. Yeah, she did. She did world champs, and then the final race of the season. So, but, so the argument is potentially that Miriam Nicole takes some of those performances away from Marine Cabaru. I'm going to disagree, and I'm going to say Cabaru stays on form and, and takes Miriam Nicole in the overall over the year. All right. Dang. Noah wants to place a wager on this with you once we're off air. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that bet. Okay. Maybe, okay. maybe we shouldn't take that off air. What would you bet him, Noah? Uh, let's see. What what would be an appropriate wager in this situation? Well, if I was younger, I would say one of us has to go mullet. Like the haircut, not the bike. Yeah, you can't mullet your bike. You have to mullet yourself. But uh, but I'm way too old for that shit. So um, while I am confident in my my prediction here, um, yeah, I don't know. You gotta you gotta go like race uphill while being timed. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Whoever loses it has to do an XC race. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's gonna be whoever well, loses has to do an XC. Find out about this until like October. That's okay. Well, se- late September. When's the last race? I think it's like September 20-something. This will be archived, and we'll have the tapes. So, um, okay. okay, so just to clarify this, for the record, Noah, your pick for women's DH title this year is? Miriam Nicole. And Ben, you're taking? Marine Cabaret. And whoever loses this, now, I guess... We should do it. If one of those two doesn't win, you both have to enter an XC race. That seems yeah, fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Wait, wait. How, how, wait. What if both of us lose, then David has to 
enter and exit. Nope. <laughs> Wait, but we do need to get David in on this somehow. David, do you you want to go with a different choice? I don't. I'm with Noah. I think Miriam's got it. Okay, well, fair's fair here. So if Miriam Nicole doesn't win, David, you also have to sign up for next C race. All right, fair enough. Okay. And I'm just a moderator here, so this really doesn't, you know, <laughs> this doesn't really affect me whatsoever, uh, which is sweet. Um, but, uh, we should okay. find a way to make it affect you. <clears throat> no, I think we should move on to the next question. Um, Ben's got to get going here. <laughs> um, this has really been the best development from this entire conversation, so I'm pretty psyched on this. I did want to ask, we're gonna, this is the like stupidest question of the podcast. We'll kind of frame it that way. Trend. People are not buying as many downhill bikes. Other trend. More people are buying bikes that we would tend to put in the quote-unquote enduro category. Given this, is it weird that World Cup DH still seems to get a lot more attention, and I'm just going to leave it at a lot more attention and not try to quantify that, over the Enduro World Series? That is my dumbest question of the podcast. We should get like a sponsor for that, but uh, we don't we don't have one just yet. So, Noah. Um, yeah, I think there's a bunch of different ways to answer this dumb question. Um, so, uh, car analogy first. Formula One, way more people watch that than like, uh, you know, rally racing or like GT racing or, you know, I don't know what those other races are that involve normal cars. But it's because like, yeah, you want to watch the fast guys go fast in the fast cars. And this is the same thing. Like, you know, I want to watch the fast guys make the best equipment in the world go as fast as possible. Uh, that's what's interesting to watch. It's not, that doesn't mean it's necessarily what I'm doing all the time. It's just what's the most interesting to watch. The other thing is that enduro racing sucks to watch because, you know, it's like this 30 mile loop with five timed stages that don't really have cameras along every, every, uh, foot of the way. So, yeah, it, you know, you watch EWS recaps and they're really good and they do a good job with them. But, you know, it, it comes out a week after the race or whatever. And, you're, you know, it's not it's not as exciting to watch as a DH race where there's camera coverage for three quarters of the course. And, you know, you can watch the whole race right then and there. Uh, the EWS race is just, it's not as conducive to, to viewing. Um, but yeah, when it comes to buying bikes, uh, well, I'm in the process of selling my downhill bike because I don't ride it that often because it's not useful unless you're at a bike park and the local bike park really doesn't even require a downhill bike. It's just not that rough. If I lived in Whistler, I would own a downhill bike, no question. But if I live most of the rest of the planet, then yeah, maybe I don't bother with a downhill bike just because they're not that useful. Uh, whereas enduro bikes are super fun for uh, any kind of moderately rowdy trail. Ben, anything to add on that? And yeah, Noah kind of covers it. I mean, the, the analogy I would use would be like, I played baseball for a 
giant chunk of my life and I have almost no interest in watching it on television. And so it's one thing to go ride your bike. It's a totally different thing to race your bike. And it's a completely other thing to then watch the type of riding that you've been doing out in the world. And so I would much rather watch the really, really talented guys on big, heavy, expensive bikes go downhill really fast than I would watch the guys with single crown forks and, you know, 30 pound bikes kind of trail ride, if that makes sense. Um, and so for that reason, I've got to just agree with everything that Noah's saying. It's just way better to watch. I appreciate what the EWS guys do. And that's the kind of riding I go do when I go ride. I have no desire to huck myself off a mountain up up the mountain, you know, up at the resort going 40 miles an hour on a dual crown bike. It seems like with a family that would be hard for me to get into, but these guys do it and they make it look easy and it's really impressive. That's why it's more fun to watch them. Um, watching enduro, like there's no Peloton. It's not like road cycling where you've got cameras everywhere. It's not like downhill where it's a shorter course where you've got all these cameras. So how do you cover it? You know, that's the weakness EWS is going to have to contend with going forward against, you know, downhill. David, agree, disagree with what's been said here? Yeah, I agree with all of that. I think kind of the big things are that DH is just vastly more telegenic for all of the reasons that Noah and Ben already said. I think it's got a big advantage just by virtue of being the longer running and better established series with, frankly, kind of more of the very top fastest people out there competing in it. And that's really what it boils down to. I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting. I think given as we started by talking about fewer and fewer people are buying DH bikes, I think that's a safe comment to make. Fewer manufacturers are offering DH bikes. This would not surprise me at all to start seeing, if not a total shift, but I do think that you guys have already identified well kind of the, the challenges for the EWS. I don't think those are insurmountable. Um, and I think we will see some innovation in terms of EWS coverage. And it will be interesting to see if um, the needle can move a little bit, um, say, between the kind of viewing experience and excitement of watching DH versus the viewing and excitement in watching EWS, but challenges there for sure. Yeah. I, I do think that I would guess that the overall viewership and general level interest in EWS is going to grow over yeah. the coming period. Uh, I don't think I see it overtaking DH anytime, even slightly soon, but I'm with you on that general trend for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think EWS is, it, it seems like a pretty well-run race series. I think they have the advantage of being able to move around to some more interesting locations because uh, they're not tied to kind of the lift infrastructure that you need for DA tracing generally. Um, so, you know, EWS has hit some relatively exotic locales which i think is is kind of cool to see you know they go race in these interesting places um but yeah 
I, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just it's it's not one rider going down the course at once or a pack of riders going around the course at once like you have in XC racing. It's you know, it's this field of riders that's strung out over a handful of different courses. So I I don't think there's really any way to to broadcast an EWS race live. Um at least not in a way that shows all of the top riders. Um, just it's, it's uh, camera logistics aside. I think it's just not possible. You've got more than one top rider potentially riding at the same time, just on different parts of the track. Uh, but yeah, I, I am sure that the popularity of watching it will continue to increase. I got one word for you, Noah drones so you just have a tiny little drone that just gets sort of you know tethered to 20 of the top riders and now you're doing it just like you would be televising a football or basketball game or baseball game or whatever you're just cutting between cameras done problem solved you're welcome ews yeah, yeah, I I think you've got it figured out. Um, I'm I'm uh, looking forward to the highlight reels. That's mostly going to involve drones crashing. <laughs> We're going to have drone related injuries. Um, yeah, collarbone isn't like the main injury anymore. It's, I'm not talking about the condor sized drones that are going to be like yeah falling out of the sky and like crushing people's ribs and that type of thing, but. Yeah, they tried that with skiing. They did. As I'm sure you remember I from do. that clip I do. that everybody watched. Yeah, Marcel <laughs> Hersher, the greatest ski racer maybe ever, um, yeah, almost got decapitated. Um, so, yeah, I do not wish that yeah. upon any so EWS rider. I think your idea is great. The drones are going to get tiny. Come on, Noah. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe it's like, you know, the EWS racers, they have to partner with like one of those racing drone driver guys. And so it's like a two man team. <laughs> no. You get you gotta you gotta race the race, but you also gotta produce some good footy. Oh God. <laughs> um, this is definitely our cue to wrap this conversation. Um mostly I'm just delighted that <laughs> it's possible that all three of you guys are going to end up having to enter a cross-country race this season, which is just phenomenal news. Um, so really, I feel like this conversation couldn't have gone any better. Um, that's my take on things. I do want to say thanks to you guys for the insights and the comments, and uh, I'll be talking to you again really soon, I am sure. All right, fellas. That sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. Talk to you later. That's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas, and we'd love to hear your own thoughts and predictions on the upcoming DH season, and also your thoughts on the trajectory of the EWS. So let us know in the show notes to this episode what you think about all this. And of course, I want to say thanks to Noah, David, and Ben for the conversation. Thanks to Luke Alley for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. And just in case I happen to forget, and then Noah and David and Ben very intentionally don't happen to remind me, you maybe should write down their predictions and let's just all make sure that the losers here make good on their wager to put on some spandex and go pedal hard uphill. Until next time, please go take good care out there. We will talk to you again next week.